In this episode, once again, we speak to Daryl Sickle. Daryl is one of the world's leading experts on trust with over 22 years of experience. His PhD, Building Trust in Hostile Environments from Duke University, established him as a global leader for governments, businesses, NGOs on practical approaches to building trust. And, And recently he's completed his book, Building Trust, Exceptional Leadership in an Uncertain World. And today we're talking to Daryl about how to build trust for uh, unlimited uh, for unlimited and ultimate success. Let's speak to him and find out how you and I can build trust with our clients, with our team members to build a better business. And if you want to upgrade your money mindset, then click on the link www.millionairefoundations.com and watch my free training. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And guess what? I have once again the amazing, the wonderful, the actually absolutely stupendous, brilliant person I've ever met, um, Daryl Sticker. Welcome, Daryl. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank it's you. It's such sir. a joy to h- hang out with you. I mean, <laughs> Thank you, Daryl. I really, really enjoyed our conversation on Friday, PJ. It's I, I mean, I, I love most of my guests anyway, but I, I, I absolutely loved it. Those of you who haven't heard the Friday feature conversation, please go ahead and listen to why I'm in love with this man. Um, honestly, the concepts he talks about is phenomenal, and uh, and I'm super excited to be talking about today's topic. But before we do that, before we do that, Daryl, tell everybody what it is that you do. So I'm one of the world's leading experts on the topic of trust. And I teach people how to actually build trust and build stronger relationships. And that leads me on to today's topic, which is how to build trust for the ultimate success. So, Daryl, we had a fascinating conversation on Friday, and we talked about how trust is so important. And this is why you're teaching it. So tell us, how do we start building trust? You, know, you talk about different levels. Can you talk talk us through you know, sure. the process? Right. So a big part of the challenge is is awareness. So having a shared understanding of what trust is and then how it works. And so I'm going to walk through, I'll tell you about the definition that I use and then how it fills out the model that I use. And my aspiration is that people leave this podcast with some things that they can try Mm. to actually strengthen their relationships right after they listen to it. So trust is the willingness to make yourself vulnerable when you can't completely predict how someone else is going to behave. There's elements of uncertainty and vulnerability in that definition. And so for me, we ask ourselves two fundamental questions. The first question is, how likely am I to be harmed if I trust this person? And that's perceived uncertainty. Mm. The second question is, if I'm harmed, how bad is it going to hurt, which is perceived vulnerability. Right. And so we've got uncertainty times vulnerability gives us a level of perceived risk. Right. Now, each of us has a threshold of risk that we're comfortable with. Some are more trusting than others, some are less so. But for each of us, there's this threshold that we're comfortable with. And if we go beyond, if our perception of the risk goes beyond that threshold, we don't trust. Yes. If we're beneath it, then we do. 
And so building trust becomes actually a fairly simple matter of understanding where does uncertainty come from and how do I take steps to reduce it? Where do perceptions of vulnerability come from and how do I take steps to help people manage that mm. so that we stay below that threshold? If we think about you know early relationships, we've got high levels of uncertainty, which means we can only tolerate a small range of vulnerability. Mm. As that relationship gets deeper, the range of vulnerability we can tolerate starts to grow. Yeah. In our deepest relationships, we've got really small ranges of uncertainty about the other person, mm. which means we can experience huge ranges of vulnerability with them. If we think for a minute about our kids, I'm never more vulnerable than when it comes to my sons, which means that I can't tolerate a lot of uncertainty without getting really squirrely and uncomfortable. And so my choices are to either try to micromanage them and control their behavior, which is destructive and damaging, or to actually get them to start sharing information with me in a way that makes me more comfortable. Mm. And so when I have that conversation with my sons and I say, I'm never more vulnerable than when it comes to you, I can't tolerate a lot of uncertainty. And so when you don't come home and I don't hear from you, the, the worst case scenarios start running through my head and it's really hard on me. And so they, they start to realize, okay, I need to include dad in conversations. I need to share information with him so that he's more comfortable. Mm. Now, after we make that trust decision, we have perceived outcomes and we interpret the world through stories. So you and I could have exactly the same experience and have a dramatically different perception of what just happened. Yeah. And so there are a couple of levers that we can pull within perceived outcomes. We can talk first about what a good outcome looks like. Mm -hmm. We can be thoughtful about creating a shared narrative. We can set criteria, right, for what good looks like. Our perception of the outcome then feeds back into our next interaction with each other and updates us. In the middle of all this is our emotional states, whether we like or dislike somebody else. So most of the trust research treats people like rational actors. You've met people, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're not always rational. People. Like, yeah. People like emotional beings. Yeah. Some more and than so, others. <laughs> some more than others. And, and for some of us, some more at certain times than others. Yes. I mean, I have to say females, um, let's not be by the bush. We were talking about this off the camera. Females are emotional beings, and but they're naturally, that's the honey chain tending them to be emotional beings. At certain times, or not all the time, but certain times of the month, they are you know, more prone to having emotional outbursts and they're more vulnerable because they're more emotional, but there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to understand no. that. Yeah. And so when I, I wrote my doctoral thesis on building trust in hostile environments, and partly what I came to understand is that a lot of times we're trying to apply these cognitive, rational approaches mm. to profoundly emotional situations. That yeah. doesn't go well. Right? I mean, one, one thing we I learned in sales is people make emotional decisions and then they justify it with logic. And right. that works in all areas of your life. Yes. And the more emotional we are, the stronger our emotions are, the less rational we are. Yeah. Right? So at our, at our extremes... When we love someone or we hate someone, yeah. we're not totally rational about how we view them. Yeah. Right. And so I think that there are 10 levers we can pull to build trust. And, you know, we were talking on Friday, we talked about the fact that we all have the ability to build trust. Some are better than others. Yeah. Those who aren't good have a lever that they pull. Mm. Those who are better have multiple levers that they pull. Those who are really good have multiple levers and they know when to pull which one. Yeah. But it's a continuum that we can all kind of work at and get better at. It's a skill that we can all build. Mm. And so if I was going to narrow this down a bit more, I would say, what are, you know, there are four levers within uncertainty. Right. And so uncertainty comes from us as individuals and it comes from the context that we're embedded in. Mm. 
And so the individual stuff is is where most of the trust research sits. And there was a an article written in 1995 by a friend of mine named Roger Mayer that was sort of one of the seminal pieces. And he talked about benevolence, integrity, and ability mm. as the three levers that promote perceptions of trustworthiness. Mm. And benevolence is, you know, the belief that you've got my best interest at heart, that you'll act in my best interest. Integrity is, do you follow through on your promises and do your actions line up with the values you express? Ability is, do I have the competence to do what I say I'm going to do? Mm. Context is sort of like the rules of the game. How am I constrained? You know, a lot of times when I teach, I, I, will, I used to ask people, I would say, if you could be anywhere doing anything with anyone right now, how many of you would be sitting here listening to me speak? Now, I stopped doing that because it wasn't good for my self-esteem. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> no, right? Because we can all think of being somewhere else with someone yeah. else and doing amazing, fun things. And so, so the, the question is, <laughs> exactly, right? Or or hang out with your kids or, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. So why were they there? Well, it was the context, yeah. right? It's the, they had something else they were working on. They were working towards a degree. Their boss told them they had to be there. Mm. Whatever it was, there was something within their context that was constraining their behavior. The better we can understand that, the better we are able to predict other people, mm. the less uncertainty we have, right? And there are times when we trust people without knowing anything about them. So you go to a doctor's office, they say, take off your clothes and you do right? I've tried that in other places. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. And, and let's, let's take that example for a moment. You know, we've got two people and the doctor walks in with a white coat and a stethoscope and pulling on a pair of latex gloves and says, take off your clothes. Well, let's shift that from the doctor's office to a gas station restroom. It goes from credible to creepy in a heartbeat. Yes, literally. Right? Yeah. And so context has a powerful impact on how we perceive others, particularly before mm -hmm. we get to know them. Right. And so we need to understand. Can I interject something here? So yeah, this, of course. This, so, I mean, I, one of my businesses, obviously I'm, I'm a mindset coach, money mindset coach specifically. Yeah. And they talk about in sales, they always talk about, you know, building that, um, you know, positioning yourself and, you know, and making yourself credible. So is that what you're referring to in this context? So, you know, you need to put things in context. Like I'm, I'm one of the leading money mindset experts because these I've done this, 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 and this, and I, this is my personal journey, and these are my clients. So we're putting that context in there for them, for them to actually believe that I can do what I say I can do, and I am right. an expert, like as I say I am. Is that what, is that what you mean by that? That's a big part of it. It's right. you know, here's what the rules are. Here's how I'm constrained. Here's my social network, because our context can be parts formal and informal. Right. Right. There are rules and regulations that constrain us. Hmm. Those are the formal elements, you know, job description, compensation structures, hmm. all of those kinds of things. There are informal things like our relationships, our reputation, yeah. uh, our values. Those are all sort of elements that constrain our behavior and make it easier to predict us. And I had a fascinating experience with a, with a group of senior executives where I sat down with the CEO and his three vice presidents, and I said, I want the three vice presidents to write down how they think the CEO is constrained, what his context is. Mm. And I want the CEO to do the same exercise, but write it from his own perspective. And then we're going to contrast. We're going to, and it provoked this fascinating conversation of, oh, that's why you make those decisions. Okay. And, and so we can pull the context lever by 
making people aware of who we are by sharing elements of our context with each other, but we can also make public commitments, right? We can constrain ourselves within the context by signing contracts, uh, creating new rules, changing incentive structures. There's, there's a bunch of ways we can shift the context to promote different types of behaviors. Now, I go through and I try to systematically go through all 10 levers. So there's four of them within uncertainty mm-hmm. and that's benevolence, integrity, ability, and the context. There's two of them within vulnerability. And that's what's at, what do I believe is at stake, you know, and how I value that. And then there's also an element of context there, right? It's how scarce are my options? Mm-hmm. What kind of alternatives do I have? Perceived outcomes. Again, we've got was it a success or a failure? And who bears responsibility? Who gets the credit or who gets the blame? Those are levers we can pull. And again, context will play a role because there's this great video with these two monkeys and they're both getting bits of cucumber, right? For handing a rock back to the experimenter and they're in cages side by side. And then the experimenter hands a grape to one of them and the other one kind of goes, wait a minute, there were grapes? And now all of a sudden, the person hands him a cucumber and the, the monkey throws the cucumber back at them. So the cucumber was fine until they saw that somebody else was getting grapes. Mm. And so that changed the perception of the outcome. And so we we evaluate our outcomes relative to others around us. So the context plays a role. Within our emotions, again, you know, whether we like or dislike someone, and and the context can play a role there as well, right? We can be triggered by certain symbols or signals that can have a, an emotional impact on us and cause us to react strongly. Mm. And so those are the 10 levers that we can pull. And what I do is I try to systematically go through and explain the levers and then explain how to pull them. Because a lot of people are talking about trust right now, but they're not talking about how to build it. They're talking about how important it is, how dangerous it is that we don't have it. Exactly. So the conversations I've had up until today, until you know, I came across you, was about the importance of trust Right. And when and the only context that you know we talk about building trust was to you know to make sure that you do what you're going to say or you do so you you know you you, you do you follow through what you you know you said you're going to do um, right. and you don't lie and so forth so you you know you're seen to be someone of of you know of integrity there was no conversation about having different levels and levers and pulling those and I'm uh, having benevolence and so that that conversation was not present yeah yeah and and we think about what's going on right now with things like climate change, race relations, changing norms and values, technological advances, pandemics. We have a series of complex, I call them hairy problems, big hairy problems. Some people call them wicked problems, but- They are wicked. I would say wicked. Yeah. Yes. So we've got these wicked problems that require collective collaborative action for us to solve. Yeah. And trust levels are at the lowest we've ever seen. Yeah. And and do you know why that is? Do you know why that is? Why? Uncertainty times vulnerability gives us a level of perceived risk. Our vulnerability has stayed fairly stable or maybe even increased a little bit, but our uncertainty is bouncing all over the place. Wow. Okay. So um, we were talking the rules about, are changing. Uh, we were talking about conversation off the camera before. I'm not going to mention that conversation, but why the reason why I'm the most easygoing person when it comes to personal autonomy, and I don't care what anybody does in their personal life, I'm not really bothered about it. But now my blood is boiling is because the uncertainty of how it's going to impact my children. Right. And, and the vulnerability. And the vulnerability from that. And that's why I'm getting annoyed and I don't trust the the the, the mainstream education system and everything else. 
that's the reason why because yes. now i they, that is impacting directly to with my family and my children and their mindset and who they are right and, and and a lot of the times you know we as parents are not being involved in the conversation the uncertainty is too high uncertainty is incredibly high and if when it was somebody else choosing things for their own life that's fine but yeah. when it's going to have an impact on my child yeah the vulnerability goes way up right and my ability to tolerate uncertainty shrinks completely completely to the point where i i get right. into very <clears throat> conversations about it because i i feel right. so strongly about it absolutely and so our uncertainty is bouncing all over the place mm -hmm. people are becoming really uncomfortable being vulnerable really uncomfortable yeah. and so we need to be more intentional now about building trust than we've ever been yeah we need to be more mindful of it and it's something that we can fix so let's let's pick one of the levers and do a deeper dive and i'll show you how i help people actually figure out how to pull these levers in a way that makes sense so let's talk about benevolence because that's what we were talking about earlier off the camera yeah let's, let's define what benevolence means for people right benevolence, mean benevolence it means having someone's best interest at heart right. and and one of the examples i use is a babysitter right mm -hmm. i believe that if i hired a babysitter to watch my kids that they would still be there when i got back even if they got a better offer while i was away yeah right so Somebody calls them and says, what's Daryl paying you? 10 bucks an hour? I'll give you 12. I believe that they would not hang up the phone and say, later, kids, got to go. Yeah. And so uh, benevolence is, is a lever that seems to be more resilient than most as well, right? Because what makes excellence feels like a moving target right now. What makes a great leader now is not the same thing that made a great leader 10 years ago. Integrity is getting harder because things are moving so fast. Things are changing so quickly. I think that's really, really important because I think that that's uh, you've hit the nail on the head because we don't know who to trust anymore because there's so much false propaganda out there. Social media yes. has, has and we, you forget the old, because I, I don't listen to news and uh, I haven't for years, um, the news are either radio or otherwise or, or paper or TV. However, even social media, there's so much propaganda about this is good for you, that's not good for you, this is happening, that's not happening. We right. are not aware of what's the truth and what's the fault anymore. It's all been amalgamated into this one Greek rubbish. And so even Google, you can go and do a search and there's 10 different thing, versions come up on the same topic. Right. We don't know the woods from the trees anymore. We just don't know. Right. Causing uncertainty. Causing massive uncertainty. And and so benevolence is the, is the lever that seems to be more resilient. Right. And, you know, when I ask parents, when I'm working with parents... Who here has their kid's best interest at heart? All the hands go up, right? And when I flip the question and say, how many of your kids would say that? It's about a third. Yeah. And partly it's a, a problem with not communicating effectively. And so imagine someone's walking past, you and I are having a lovely dinner, and I'm about to start eating dessert. And they stop and they say, oh my God, Daryl, you're not really going to eat that, are you? Mm. Their heart is absolutely in the right place. They're, they are benevolent. Their mm. intentions are pure. That's not how I hear it. No. Right? Because what they don't realize is that this body doesn't just happen, right? There's years of neglect. Yeah. There's been a series of really bad decisions made, and there will be more. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundance.com mindsetmakeover.com see inside the workshop and so partly it fails because they haven't included me in the conversation so 
what I do is I help people develop a template for how to have a conversation around benevolence. Mm-hmm. And this is what it is. You're going to go tomorrow and you're going to have a conversation with someone you pick. And you're going to say to them, you know, I was talking to this crazy Canadian, this guy, Daryl, and he was talking about trust. And he said that one of the, that there's these 10 different levers and one of them is benevolence, right? Big word. It really means that I care about somebody, that you show care and concern for someone else. And I think I do that, but it doesn't always seem to land that way. Mm. Have you ever experienced that? And the other person's going to go, oh, God, yes. Right? They they will either have seen it or have experienced it themselves when they were trying to do something that was good for someone else, and it wasn't interpreted that way. And so you're then going to narrow the funnel a bit more, and you're going to say, have you ever had somebody really have your back? Like really, you were just confident that they were benevolent, that they were out for your best interest. Mm. And they're going to go, yeah, yeah. So tell me about that. What did they do? What did it look like? How did it feel? And now we're priming them and we're getting tips from them about what benevolence actually looks like for them. Mm. And we're starting to narrow the focus. And then we narrow it down even further and we say, what does success look like for you? How do I help you get there? What would it look like if I was benevolent to you? And now we've uncovered this nugget that we can take and be transparent with. And so if it's if it's a leader that's mm. having this conversation with their subordinate and imagine their subordinate says, I'd like to get promoted. Okay. Well, for me to promote you, you would have to start showing me that you've got the skills for that next level. Mm. That means that I'm going to hold you to a higher standard than I've been holding you. That means my expectations are going to go up. That means I'm going to start giving you more opportunities to grow and develop, which means you're going to make mistakes. Mm. And I'm going to have to you know, coach and advise and help you through that process. But you're also going to need to step up more within the organization because I'm going to need to be able to justify that promotion. And there are other stakeholders involved. And so you're going to have to, people are going to need to be more aware of you and the work that you're doing. You're going to see more scrutiny. That's what your expectation should be. And that's what benevolence looks like. And so this is how we start pulling that lever. It doesn't mean being nice all the time. It means people having that mindset of you're doing this to help me get better. You're doing this to help me succeed. And and part of the reason we have challenges with our kids is because we're on different timelines, yeah. right? We're thinking about tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, 10 years down the road. They're thinking about right now. And so to get the permission to talk to them about the future, we have to help them be successful in the moment. And so we have to figure out what does success look like for you right now? How do I help you get there? And, you know, I had, I had a student because what I do with my students is I, I try to help them work through and practice these skills. So I had a student and I was sitting down with them and I said, tell me about a relationship that matters to you. And he said, my girlfriend I said, okay, so you're going to go home tonight and you're going to say, I was in, I'm in this class. We're talking about trust. I've got this teacher. He was talking about benevolence. You know, that's having someone's best interest at heart or, or really caring about them. And he said, ask me to think about a relationship that really mattered to me. And I said, you. And so that's step one. We're showing the person that we're thinking about them, that the relationship matters to us said, what really matters to your girlfriend? And he said, I think her family is the most important thing to her. Okay. So the next step in the conversation is going to be, he asked me what mattered most to you. And I said, family, is that right? So now you're inviting her to be part of the conversation, to either agree or disagree. Now she's probably going to agree. And so when she does, you're going to say, I suspect that because your family is so important to you, 
that it would really matter to you that I get along well with your family. Mm-hmm. And so that means that I'm going to start having lunches with your family. I'm going to start calling them more often. I'm going to try to build a stronger relationship with your family because it matters so much to you. That's transparency. And he had a great night. The next day he came back to class and he said, my girlfriend says, I'm allowed to talk to you whenever I want. <laughs> and he said, what's the next lever, right? What are we going to talk about next? Because it worked. Yeah, It works. And that's how we pull the benevolence lever. When right? I'm listening to you, when I'm thinking and I'm feeling, because I'm just, my brain's going in hyper mode again. I think we all do this at some level intuitively. What we don't do is actually pull these levers intentionally at the right. right time because we don't have the right training for it or the right knowledge that this is the lever we're supposed to be pulling and this is how we should be reacting. Because every time you're mentioning something, there's those things I do, I do it intuitively without yes. actually have thinking about it. And it's probably because of my training and who, and who I am as a person. Yeah, and, your experiences. Uh, and my experiences. And I remember when I when I speak to my clients, uh, you know, one of the things I say, and I say it quite honestly, is you know, my the reason why I continue my coaching is because I love what I do. You know, even when right. I retired from everything else and I've, I've got an extra strategy for more different businesses, my coaching is I'll be like Bob Proctor, I'll be coaching till the day I die, uh, and because I enjoy it so much, and because that's truth for me, that's my honest truth. It comes across, and people understand that I do coaching not because of the money, because I make enough money for my other businesses. I do coaching because I absolutely love and adore what I do. So I have right. my client's best interest at heart because seeing them succeed actually makes me happy. Yeah. And I and I and I realize I share those things quite openly and I'm not boastful about being my income. I just am very honest about it. That honesty, which which if I was being extra cautious, I think, oh, people think I'm arrogant that I, you know, I'm boasting I make so much money. No, it's the fact that I'm being honest and say, reason why I continue to do this is because I love what I do and right. I enjoy seeing you succeed. And that comes across in my voice and my tonality in the way I'm approaching. And I, I do this when, you know, when I, especially when I'm having a difficult conversation with someone, because right. as a coach, you can always not always be nice. I mean, at times, you know, you, you are picking on really hard um, aspects of the personality in which they have to work on. So I'm not always nice. I'm actually, at times I make them cry, but I'm doing it from a place of love. Right. And that's what comes across to them that gold doesn't gold means you know it's it, yeah I'm, I'm pulling the benevolence um, lever because I'm doing it for their best interest, not yeah. to be mean or horrible, or cruel. I just have a genuine reason why I'm saying this, and it's for their betterment. And mine all the time actually, I've never had anybody come back to me and say you you know you were wrong. They know that okay, gold's right. That's what that's only even if it's a hard conversation or a hard task. They'll go ahead and do it. Sometimes right. they do need because I'm a bit, you know, go off with with uh, you know, because I am I am I do a bit of boo-boo stuff as well. But people are more open to listening to what I have to say because I'm coming from a place of love and yeah. they feel that. But I do So they don't feel defensive. No, there's not yeah. the, the, the shields are not. So right. I think and I do that and I was thinking, my God, this is if I can hone this skill to take it from my coaching out into the real world when I'm talking to clients for my other businesses or when yeah. I'm talking to potential companies that I'm going to, you know, that I'm, I, I'm looking to purchase or buy or looking to build partnerships, that would 10x my business yeah. because it, it shows who I am, but not, not in this personal space where I need these people who've known me, who've been working with me for the last few months, but to strangers who can sort of pick up on that as well. And it's a yeah. skill set. It is. 
and it's it's absolutely honable, right? It's yeah. it's something we can get better at. And what I find uh, almost always with my students is they say, okay, first time I tried it, I felt awkward because mm-hmm. it's a new muscle for me. Yeah. But because now you're doing it intentionally res- before you're doing it intuitively. Yeah. But they said, you know, the response was so positive. Like the other person was just so willing to help me build this skill and interested in me getting better at this and and learning alongside me as I was going along. And so, you know, we I systematically go through these 10 levers. And one of the things that I find really helpful is a shared vocabulary, mm. right? So I was working with a leader. Uh, she She's a fantastic leader and an amazing person. But she worked for an organization that measured trust levels. And, and they had a bad trust measure. I didn't really like it, but but they were at least measuring it. Mm. And the score went from negative 100 to positive 100. She got a 13 with her team. And her leader said to me, you know, this is something we take really seriously. We need you to help her out. And so I started having conversations with her. I shared the model, started talking through how to pull the levers and coaching her. But then we sat down with her team and I said, here's what benevolence is. Now, what are your best interests? How could she help you achieve those? What would benevolence look like from her? Here's what integrity is. It's following through on our commitments, actions that align with our values. So are there promises that she or the organization's making that aren't being followed through on? What are the values that are being expressed? Do the actions line up with those? Here's what ability is. You've had great leaders in the past. What did they do? What could she do to be a great leader? And so all of a sudden, we created this shared vocabulary and a transparency around these levers. Her score went from 13 to 80 within three months. And it's been at 100 since. And so we see this work incredibly well. And it's Mm -hmm. not like you're fooling people. It's not like you're manipulating them. You're telling them exactly what you're going to try to do. You're trying to communicate more effectively. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I do is I systematically help people go through these levers, practice them, apply them. And then they start to learn the skill of when to apply which ones. Now, you're a savant when it comes to building stronger relationships. Mm. But I've worked with people who are geniuses at tech, but people are a complete mystery for them. Mm. And they've come back to me and said, it's like you've given me a formula. I'm actually able to talk to people now. I'm able to connect with people in a way that I just never thought I would be able to. Mm. And, and I think, so, yeah, I think yeah. this is a skill that's so essential for leaders. And I just, until today, I until I come in my conversation with you, I just assumed it's a skill that you just, you, you, you naturally become charismatic, you become more open and you learn on the job. And, you know, the more you, uh, the more successful you are, the more, you know, the more you show people that you're able to do certain things, you know, you build competency, people begin to trust and, uh, and like, and trust you. And it's, it's a fascinating conversation for me to know that you can actually build trust with complete strangers who don't even know you based on the yeah. way you communicate and how you interact with them. Um, yeah. but, uh, but it's a skill that you can hone and specialize in. And I think yeah. that's, that's what that's the ability of great leaders. They do that. I mean, one of my people that I absolutely, absolutely love and adore, and uh, I don't know him personally, of course, he's, he's was a Bollywood actor, but I don't like him so much for his um, his acting ability, but the, the, the entrepreneur he is, Every single person who talks about him says how he's charismatic and he's so, you know, everyone feels so heard by him. And everything you're saying at the moment makes me think he has that, he has the ability to make you trust him like 
to a T. You know, yeah. he, every time, you know, someone said, oh, he, he made me seen, he listened to me, he knew who I was, and, you know, he made me feel special, and all those things. Every right. single person says that about him, you know, and he's this multi-multi, one of the richest actors, um, you know, I think he's got multiple other entrepreneurial things as well. He's very, very intelligent. But people comment on that ability that he, just matter who he is, he made me feel, you know, I was a fan and he went into him and whatever else. And he made me feel seen and he knew about my films or he knew about this and he did this and he just made right. me feel so special. Or his ability to, when someone comes to his house, he walks, that's a tradition that we have in South Asia. We know we, we walk our guests out to the door, but he does it as a, it doesn't matter his mega star. He walks people out to the door and opens a car door for them. And it's just those small gestures right. makes you seen, feel and heard. So you automatically trust that individual that he's got my best interest at heart. Yeah. I just, you know, you're, when you're saying this conversation with me, I'm sorry, when we're having this conversation, I'm just thinking of all the different ways that these leaders are leaders and why they lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one of the factors that profoundly differentiates, you know, just okay from exceptional. Yeah. Um, because the more senior we become, the less direct control we have over outcomes. Yeah. And the more we depend on everyone else to achieve our goals and objectives. 100%. And, and so there's so many factors that drive success or failure for us. But our ability to build relationships is one of those factors that's actually within our control. And so it's yeah. a way for us to take control over our relationships, right? To focus on them, to be more intentional about them, to try to strengthen them. 100%. And yeah, and, and we can and, do it. Yeah. And that's the only, I mean, I, the, the title for today is, podcast was how to build trust for ultimate success and i and i think everyone would agree for you to have the ultimate success you have to build relationships where people trust you and not just to your clients your but your you know your subordinates your team members people around you friends so forth and so forth you know there's every relationship that you have it could be with the janitor or could be with a ceo both people have to be, you know, have to have an element of trust in you as a person. And the more they trust right. you, the more they will do, especially in sales, do transactions with you. People buy from people, people right. don't buy things. So I think this has been such an important episode for people um, to, for, you know, it's not being be on sales directly, but I think it has a direct impact on sales it and does. your ultimate success. So yeah. let's wrap this up. So in, in conclusion, what would you like to, you know, say to people to, you know, have, how can someone build trust in order for them to be successful? So you have some great insights. One of the first steps for us is to be vulnerable first. Yeah. Right. And so we share a bit of our own story because it initiates a norm of reciprocity. It gets people to want to respond the same way. Yeah. And so for me, the initial phases are a little bit of vulnerability. So sharing a little bit and trying to be benevolent, trying to show care and concern for the other person's interests and success. I'm thinking about the the conversation we we've had about the you know the business you're thinking about purchasing. Mm -hmm. What would it be like if you took the model and shared it with them and then said let's let this drive our conversation. Let's talk about what benevolence looks like for you. Let's talk about what integrity looks like for you. Let's talk about what ability looks like for you so that we can both get more comfortable with this transaction. Mm. So you're actually talking the same language. I was thinking the same thing, you know, going back to the, them and having a conversation say, okay, what can I do to make you feel comfortable? What do you need me to do in right. order for you to feel comfortable with this transaction? Because there's certain things which I can't deviate from, but there's right. certain things that I can do. So, um, 
you know, you tell me, you know, how, how, what can I do to help you along? And the response would quite possibly be, I don't know, right? Because we have this lack of awareness. And when I sit down, I I was sitting with a senior executive and one of their subordinates. I said, what would benevolence look like from her to you, from the leader to you? And they both just looked at each other and went, I don't know. And and I said, well, wait a minute. You were just talking about how much you love to travel and you work for a, a global organization. What about aspiring for a role that includes travel as part of your work? Hmm. And the subordinate went, oh my God, that'd be fantastic. And the boss was like, well, we could do that. And so sometimes people don't know because it's hard for them. But as we start to talk about, as we start to deconstruct some of these problems saying, well, what would benevolence look like? What would integrity look like? Where's the gap, hmm. right? Because that's what we're looking for. Do you think that I'm not competent in some way? So it's an ability question. Do you think that I won't follow through on my promises? So is it an integrity question? Is the context at at issue here? Because there's certain things I can't bend on, but others I can, and you're not quite Mm -hmm. sure what those are. Is it a question about benevolence, my best interest for the organization and the people that you've got working for you now and and how they'll be treated when when I take over and how your customers will be treated? What's the vulnerability you're experiencing? Is it your reputation, your future? How do we help you manage that? And so I think if people are going to want to start figuring out how to get better at building trust, and and I'm reluctant to say this because it sounds like I'm flogging product, and that's really not what I'm trying to do, but buy the book, read the book, apply the concepts, right? Because I've really tried to scale what I do so that more people get access to it because I think it really matters. There's a masterclass that walks through and, and gives role plays and exercises and and helps people. There's there's a deeper course, you know, reach out to me if, if you want to talk about a deeper course that I offer that includes individual coaching and group coaching. Normally what I do for organizations is I start at the senior with the senior leadership team with that deeper course and then we roll out the masterclass through the rest of the organization so that mm. everyone's talking the same language. We start having, you know, uh, conversations from the senior leadership team to refresh these concepts and talk about them. So it starts to ingrain it in the organization. What a fantastic conversation. Honestly, I, I, I absolutely loved it today. Absolutely loved today's topic and, and on Fridays as well. So it's been such a such an eye-opening conversation for me personally. So tell us, Daryl, how can we connect with you? Where can we find you on the internet? So go to trustunlimited.com. Um, that's my website. And if you go to the about section, you can see my my seeing eye dog, Drake. Uh, he's the director of goodness, the DOG. There are There's free content in the blog. So there's articles in there around trust and parenting, trust and leadership, rebuilding trust with the police, all kinds of different content. And there's, there's some podcasts in there. Uh, you can go to my YouTube channel, which is Trust Unlimited Podcasts. And I think there's a whopping 77 subscribers so far. So you could be 78 if you hurry. <laughs> Um, it's just launched recently. My masterclass is available on my website. People can reach out to me at daryl at trustunlimited.com by email or look me up on LinkedIn, Daryl Stickle. And I want to be helpful. My aspiration is no less than making the world a better place. So I would love it if people would want to join me on that journey. Fabulous. Wonderful. So if you are listening to us on the podcast, then the links that Daryl just mentioned would be in the show notes. And if you're watching on YouTube, then down below in the description section, we'll have the links for Daryl too. Do check him out. I think he's fabulous. And I'm sure you'll agree after today's conversation too. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Daryl. We've had a 
fabulous conversation and I'm sure many people would get a lot of value from it and probably learn something new. I certainly, I know I certainly have. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for listening to me and Daryl today on Money Talkies. I will be back with another amazing guest finding out how you and I can build a better business. Until the next time, me, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website, www.gulkhan.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book, Laws of Money, from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.